welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. Now, let's jump into the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron Bush, and today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. I'm joined by my friend, Piers Kicks. Piers is a founding partner at Delphi Ventures, a venture partner for BitCraft, and is a board member of the Blockchain Game Alliance. You may have heard Piers on this podcast before or on his own Metaverse Musings show. And he also has collaborated on awesome content with Novik in the past, including his epic Into the Void, where crypto meets the Metaverse piece from 2020, um, and also including our more recent joint report titled the Great Reset, your 2023 guide to Web3 games. I'll include both of those links in the show notes. But Piers, welcome back to the pod. It's great to be back. It's always a pleasure uh, chatting with you and also the broader Novik team. Um, yeah, super excited you know, for the few pieces that we've been able to sort of do together now and uh, eager to keep the conversation rolling even through uh, the bear market. So uh, let's get after it. Yes, always lots of fun, no matter what's going on in the market. So there's also a lot we're going to dig into today. Um, we're going to talk about our most anticipated Web3 games, what modern founders are doing differently to stand out. And I have a fun game we'll play later on in the episode. But to start, Piers, I actually want to, to begin with a topic that we both have in common, uh, which is that despite our different backgrounds and geographies and focuses, we both dropped out of school to become professional investors. And then we segued that career into an intersection with gaming, me with Novik and you as a VC with Delphi and Bitcraft. And there's a couple of reflections I want to get to here. But to start, would you mind quickly sharing how your professional journey started and where it's gone so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was sort of lucky enough to have kind of stumbled across crypto, you know, pretty young, um, mainly through the lens of video games, which is kind of where things started out for me with uh, RuneScape and gold farming back in the day. So um, I always felt very fortunate that I had like an eye on that. Um, and it was something that I was very excited about. Um, I just finished school and, and was kind of, uh, you know, debating, you know, cracking on with my life or going and sort of exploring. I remember uh, going for dinner with my parents and asking if they'd give me their blessing to go and live down on a beach in Costa Rica and do some surfing. But thankfully, um, opted to go and, and sort of study. I um, was studying computer science and philosophy, but I only made it um, about three months. Uh, I was, you know, very sort of uh, eager to get going, let's say back then, I think obviously sort of 2017 time this was um, with sort of crypto going the way it was. It was a pretty exciting time with, you know, all sorts of um, absurd price actions. I'm sure folks around them would have remembered sort of altcoin chasing and whatnot back in the day, uh, many sleepless nights. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, I'd been spending a lot of time sort of uh, researching that space and um, a good friend of mine who, uh, you know, we'd been discussing a lot of the stuff that we'd been up to had basically met um, two sort of investors out in uh, Seville in Spain and um, suggested that I sort of fly out and, and meet with them because they were super interested in kind of learning more about the space. And um, I did so. Um, we ended up, you know, having a long sort of dinner. It ended up being about, I don't know, 4am on a Wednesday night in Seville wow. and we were still chatting about all of this stuff. And um, yeah, they kind of said to me, would I be willing when I finished my studies to go and, um, you know, set something up with them? Um, we'd been sort of, yeah, diving deep in, in all of the things that have been exciting me about the space, how it could unfold. And, uh, you know, um, my, I think I remember speaking to my dad back then. I don't know whether he'd told me this before, but it's, it's one of his uh, lines that has always stuck with me. Um, he said when I broached the idea of, uh, you know, cracking on with what was exciting me and, and what I felt like I really wanted to do ultimately anyway, um, he said that you can't catch the wave if you're not in the water, um, which I really liked, uh, you That's know, surfing call. analogy there. And I don't know, I'd always had a desire to jump in at the deep end. Um, you know, you and I were d discussing just now sort of... Uh, you know, how lucky I've felt, how lucky we felt to always know what it is that we're excited about. And for me, you know, that was crypto. That was, you know, like, uh, it was obviously less clear then, but kind of the fusion um, with games. Games and crypto were really the two loves. And so it made a ton of sense for me to do so. Um, so kind of kicked off there, jumped in at the deep end, spent a lot of time, um, you know, exploring different jurisdictions for setting the fund up, sort of managing these early funds on behalf of these two uh, investors. And um, yeah, kind of uh, grew into it over time, you know, not really having any idea when I jumped in and, and meeting lots of fantastic people and role models along the way, um, learning lots of hard lessons, um, having lots of, you know, major excitements in that period too. Um, and yeah, eventually that led uh, me to sort of meeting uh, Jose, one of the Delphi partners out in Paris, who I'm lucky enough to call, you know, a best friend these days. We've had all sorts of adventures together. Um, and then, yeah, I guess sort of like six or seven months after that, I think is when we met the uh, five original Delphi founders who had all dropped out of Wall Street and were trying to bring this kind of institutional grade analysis to crypto um and yeah let's say there was a strong culture fit um and we sort of you know started exploring ex exploring you know um what working together could look like um and that's kind of yeah what what led us to where we are awesome and i know that we we have a bunch of aspiring young people college students and, and young professionals that listen to our show and even though your path is unique i'm curious what you learned about charting a different course so young from what is standard? Like what were the good and the bads of doing that? Or if you were to just kind of talk to other young people about charting their own paths, how would you help them think through that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. From, from, from my perspective, it's always kind of been uh, like the whole university angle. I just, in this day and age, I don't really think it's like a meaningful means of distinction unless you're like gunning for like, you know, truly S tier, like, you know, top end universities. Um, I think it's like a path that's so well trodden that it's like extremely uninteresting. I think the world is moving so quickly in so many different directions that, um, you know, being able to leverage the internet, you know, both as a learning device, as uh as, well, as leverage, right, as a, a distribution channel, like it is easier than ever to, you know, find something that you love that you're excited about and lean into it, you know, start off just reading what other people are putting out. Um, you know, if you start building your own ideas on it, your own thesis on things, then, you know, invite others to talk with you. I think putting together even blog posts, Twitter threads, um, you know, a podcast, if you like, like building that proof of work, if you like, of um, building a portfolio of thoughts of yours that you're sharing online that you can point to if, you know, um, an opportunity to, to present itself. Um, 
I think that's so important. I think it's an enormously exciting time to be alive for that. Um, and yeah, there's this like, you know, idea of sort of digital serendipity, right? Like engineer greater surface area online for randomness to happen. And um, yeah, kind of maximize that surface area of opportunity. And uh, I think that's what I'd say. Like I have, you know, so many awesome friends who are really talented and really passionate about certain things, but um, no one would ever know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like use the internet to in your own like small place, in your own small corner of the internet, like start just making your own thoughts clearer on something by writing, right? I think that's a massive forcing function for clarity of thought. And I mean, you can't guarantee it in life as you can't guarantee anything, but uh, you know, the odds are someone will kind of stumble across that. Or as I say, if you want to be more active in your approach, if you want to look at firms that are investing or building in the space that excites you, you can, you know, reach out and say, you know, this is what I've done. This is what I think about X, Y, and Z. Um, and like that to me is like a really exciting you know, initial footing. Um, so yeah, those are kind of my thoughts there. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, especially the don't necessarily make your credentials actual credentials, make it your work <laughs> that showcases your merit. Um, and you can, through the internet, through writing and such, you can use that as a tool to learn, but also just to show to other people what you got. Um, and, and my story, similarly, um, I kind of got my my first fortunate step forward after being pseudonymous on investing discussion boards <laughs> and, you know, slowly evolving from asking dumb questions to answering questions to posting analyses until people, you know, started paying um, attention. And then they learned, you know, later who I was and, and such. But having that like body of of work on the internet that, that people see definitely was a huge step forward. I guess like a couple more reflections from my end, and then I'm curious what you think, and then we can, we can kind of move forward to the other topics. But, um, one is that every time I've, I've deviated from what is normal, people have told me that it's risky. Um, like dropping out of school or a job is like always being risky because it's not the normal thing to do. But I've learned that the way that many people think about risk is often, um, wrong because for one, I think there was always too much focus on what you are leaving, like what you are dropping out of, and not enough on what you are dropping into. Um, and if you have something great to drop into, it doesn't have to be like out of school. Like it could be like anything that you're doing at any point in life, right? Um, it's possible to like both minimize risk and increase opportunity compared to sticking to where you are. And people often forget that the worst thing that could happen is just going back to where you started. <laughs> like, honestly, like there, like there normally isn't actually that much risk to doing something different because if it doesn't work, you could just go the other path um, or, or reset. Um, and the second thing that I learned is that like, even so, especially when you're young, there are very real trade-offs to making um, decisions. Some are good, like you mentioned, like university. Like instead of like paying for school, you can get paid to do work and you know bypass a lot of like student loans and things that a lot of people would normally have to take on, which is which is great and just get a head start in terms of like the years that you can dedicate to work if that's what you're interested to. But um, you know, on the other hand, at least for me, I don't know if it was for you, but it was social suicide for a while. Uh, when everyone your own age is off doing something else, you know, normally these massive clusters of school and, and whatnot. And so it, you know, it kind of had to go into monk mode a little bit and just kind of like really drill in on yourself and um, 
learn and improve for a while, and then eventually life catches up with you again um, and in other ways. And that definitely Absolutely. had some some good times and, and bad times. But anyways, a couple yeah, reflections I, there. No, no, I totally agree on a number of those. I like, um, yeah, obviously the kind of, uh, yeah, locking in properly. Like one of the things I really struggled with for sure was the whole like grass is always greener psychology, right? Like as soon as I, you know, had dropped out and saw all my friends doing this, that, and the other, I was like, wow, am I like missing out on like key sort of experiences you're going to have as part of growing up? But my conclusion was absolutely not. Um, honestly, you, I, I mean, I was living in different countries, like for, you know, many periods wouldn't see my close friends for a year or two or whatever. And it's like, um, dare I say it, nothing ever really changes. Like if people you grew up with, like those that you love and care about, like, I think they're always going to be there. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think, um, the other thing I'd say on that is like being comfortable, like being alone and putting in the grind and like actually giving yourself the time to be alone with your thoughts and like really decide what it is you feel about the world and what excites you and really like kind of hone in on like what your thesis is on what excites you is so important. I find so many, you know, friends I know are like terrified of being alone as in like not, not being alone longer term, but like spending time alone. And it's like actually a really important thing that I think, um, you know, most people would generally benefit from. Um, and then to your point about, you know, uh, being able to take those risks when you're younger, like especially someone, you know, entertaining going straight into university, as you say, you, you, the, the opportunity is likely still there a year later. Like when we talk about making asymmetric bets and asymmetric opportunities, like that really is one. I always love the Latin quote. I won't try and quote it in Latin, but you know, fortune favors the brave, fortune favors the bold. And I do think, yeah, jumping in and, um, you know, putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation where there's going to be like maximal learning, you know what I mean, is is something that's actually like thrilling, like scary, but thrilling. And, um, you know, I'm sure that there are many examples of where it hasn't worked out. Um, but I mean, you don't want to be the person that never tried, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I could talk about this probably the full hour with you, Piers, but we're, we're 12 minutes in. So let, let's get moving to, to some other topics that, that people probably bore, uh, listen, signed up to listen into, yeah. uh, which is games. So um, let's talk about um, Web3 games. And I'm, I don't know about you, Piers, but I'm kind of tired about a lot of the Web3 discussion feeling so serious lately, especially ever since the, the fallout started happening uh, a couple of years ago, everything around regulations, nitpicking tokenomics, the boom and bust, all of that. So let's have some fun with this. We both prepared our top five most, most anticipated blockchain and Web3 games. We don't know what the other person has picked, and we'll go in reverse order starting at number five. But I thought it would be fun to get a pulse on what we're each excited about, and it could make for an interesting watch list for all of our listeners. So, Piers, um, if you're ready, let's start with you. What is your number five? I'd say, um, obviously, always tricky ranking these things, right? I must caveat by saying that. Um, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a strong sort of like ordering to them per se, because uh, a lot of sure. these I'm, you know, generally excited about. Um, but I'd say, yeah, num number five uh, is one which I'm sure a lot of people will be familiar with by now is um, Ember Sword, uh, which, you know, super exciting sort of blockchain MMORPG that's taken inspiration from a ton of the games that I love. 
they built some really insane sort of browser engine technology that optimizes for you know low-end hardware. And I think um, if you look at how demographics have skewed so far in terms of uh, you know gamer profiles that are most excited about some of the unique affordances of these technologies, I think it's a very you know sensible thing to have done. Um, and yeah, the recent play tests and whatnot have been super super dope. So excited to see what comes. Sweet. I have not seen the playtest or been involved, so I didn't put this one on my list, but I know um, it looks good from a distance. So I think that's an exciting one uh, to have on this list. My number five is a slight cop out. It's whatever the Avalon team is building. Avalon raised $13 million in a round led by Bitcraft this year to build out a platform with Web3 and UGC capabilities. And as I read it, the team is looking to build essentially a triple A MMO on top of this platform. And I do think that MMOs have real potential with Web3 elements and building a platform in a way where people can have different types of MMO experiences or mod-like experiences more in one spot will actually make a lot of the interoperability that makes some of these Web3 pieces more interesting actually um, possible. Uh, there's obviously so much we don't know about this project. And with projects like this that are so ambitious, you know, anything could happen, hence me putting it number five on my list and not not higher up. But even just personally, just from like a fun standpoint, like this is the kind of game more of like an MMO with more like in-depth features that like lend themselves to player ownership where even like across different experiences, you can kind of share um, assets and stuff. Um, that sounds really compelling to me. So I'm just excited to see what this team comes up with in the next couple of years. Also, one of the founders uh, created EverQuest. So they got some real um, talent uh, behind this team that's familiar with what makes a good MMO. So that is my this, uh, number five. Yeah, um, Avalon's actually on my list as well. So maybe oh. I'll put that at my four. Um, I, I completely agree. Um, I think, you know, uh, Obviously, everyone that's building and investing in games loves games, but it's like um, there's a certain degree to which some people really, you know, cut them and they bleed games. And it's like uh, the entire team sort of, um, you know, chemistry and like love for games um, is is pretty fascinating. And yeah, I mean, some of the early kind of like vertical slices that we've seen look pretty amazing. So um, yeah, I'm enormously excited to see where Avalon goes and completely agree in terms of, um, you know, suitability of, of games of this type to, you know, some of these sort of crypto loops, if we like. Um, and yeah, the kind of UGC aspect of these and, you know, the builder piece of these is like uh, pretty, pretty exciting. I'm very excited to see where all that goes. So that uh, maybe I'll put that as my four. Um, um, I don't know if you want to go to, to the next one, but uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll go into my next one. I, I doubt um, it is our the last one that will overlap. Actually, I'll let you go. I don't want to overlap with you again in case it happens. What is, what's number three on your list? Um, number three on my list, well, it's annoying. I'm really struggling to narrow things down, but I'll say um, one that uh, you know is still pretty early on, still pretty stealth, um, is called Cambria. Um, and basically, this project is... Uh, Everything I ever wanted, I think, in terms of, you know, my younger self growing up and whatnot. I spent um, decades in RuneScape at this point. Um, and 
basically, uh, it's really leaning into this whole thesis of like, um, you know, crypto already is this sort of uh, MMORPG unfolding on chain, if you like. And so what they're trying to do is build um, like a front end, basically, to this permissionless stack of protocols in crypto. So um, drawing on mechanics from, you know, stuff like old school RuneScape, things that have really stood the test of time, um, you know, something that's kind of nostalgic of that, you know, time that many of us sort of grew up online and whatnot. Um, and yeah, leveraging the stack that is crypto to allow people to, you know, do things like in the jewel arena, stake uh, 1v1, sort of any combination of fungible and non-fungible tokens, some really amazing, like large scale sort of concurrent um, PVP loops, right? So you kind of have like guild wars effectively where you're trying to, um, or clan wars, if you like, where you're trying to control these obelisks in the wilderness that are sort of, you know, emitting resources that you need to control. I think it has all of these amazing ingredients, like enough that I think, you know, it's it's super exciting and it's really going to um, strike a nerve in terms of like nostalgia that people feel for that time in these types of games. But um, it's that like quirky, exciting, um, nimble um, sort of setup that I love because that's where this weird emergent behavior forms in these types of communities. And uh, I'm super excited to see what comes from it over the over the coming years. Cool. I actually did not know much of anything about this game. So exciting to see it pop up on your list. Taught me something. I bet many other people it's it's new for them too. Um, my number four is, I'm not 100% sure how to say it, Arori. Arori. Um, and um, this game is Solana-based. It uses collectible NFT characters and essentially a, a turn-based tactics game. And it lets players um, experience the the world uh, through both a single player story and competitive PVP. Um, it's also, um, you know, it, it very much embraces its blockchain Web3 roots and like kind of like embedding the terminology sort of as like jokes throughout, like how the how the gameplay comes across and how like the story around it unfolds and such. Um, and I don't think this is going to be like the biggest like AAA kind of game ever, but it seems to have like a pretty compelling team behind it that's been working on it. Um, for for quite some time now, and as I have at least from a distance started to see it um, um, come together, um, I think it it's turning out to be potentially pretty interesting. We um, covered the game in a previous game radar deconstruction in Novic Pro, and we found the game design to be relatively straightforward and fun, and the tokenomics to have showcased. Um, pretty above average thoughtfulness to what we were running into with other projects. And there's a probably a bunch of new details here that I need to get caught up on. But I think at least parts of this game are shipping pretty soon. And because it's straightforward and seemingly pretty well made, it's one that probably people can check out sooner than later and have a pretty fun time playing. So that is my number four on my list. I don't know if you have any comments on that one, or I can just jump into my number three and catch up with you, Pierce. Yeah, I'm honestly out the loop on the latest updates from Arori, but um, I will say uh, I mean, it's something that we looked at very early on, and um, uh, you know, ended up sort of not not doing deal wise. But um, I've been super impressed with uh, you know the updates that I was abreast of. Caught up with the team um, maybe six months ago, and uh, yeah, was was very um, pleasantly surprised by you know how cool uh, that was looking. So um, definitely eager to see how that one evolves as well. Great. Uh, my number three is Shrapnel. Shrapnel is an extraction shooter game built on the Unreal Engine 5, and it seems to be 
Um, about as good of a bet of any shooter game in Web3 to stick the landing in some way, at least that I have seen so far. And actually, kind of the shooter genre maybe doesn't lend itself as much to to Web3, uh, just given the kinds of economies these games tend to have and how um, you typically don't want assets getting in the way of like even competitive gameplay. Um, but um, I'm pretty bullish on extraction shooters right now for one. And what I've seen from this game, the feedback on the playtest has been pretty positive and the NFT aspects of the game um, seem more cosmetic and don't really get in the way of the gameplay themselves, which I think is like a nice directional step that many of these types of games need to go. And this is an early mover um, and doing that. I do have maybe some hesitance around the broader token strategy and staking and how like the value like really is or should be captured there and how that will then intersect with how the game actually works. And of course, like teams like this are treading new water and trying to figure that out themselves. Um, but the game itself looks fun. So just as like a, a player who wants more extraction shooter games and wants to like see how the intersection of like shooters and Web3 can actually come together in interesting ways. Um, I have um, this one on my list. According to the roadmap, they say the launch is in Q4 this year, but I don't actually know if that's going to happen. It could be more um, next year. But that was number three yeah, on that, my list. That one might might be some kind of soft launch if we see it this year. But um, I yeah. totally agree. I think um, you know, super exciting project. Um, team has been uh, pretty pretty relentlessly heads down. Um, it's been awesome to see it come together. You know, so quickly. Already the early playables. I was uh, playtesting it out at GDC, which was great fun. Um, to my utter dismay, in my first playtest, they didn't tell me that there's a bleed out mechanic that you need to patch yourself up, otherwise you're bleeding mm-hmm. out. And so I was there hoovering up for a moment and then all of a sudden I killed over dead um but I agree super excited to see where that goes and I think also there's like um as you say uh it's like not intrusive the crypto implementation which is like kind of hard to do I think around shooters I agree there's like um a number of ways one could go about it but uh yeah I mean excited to see where they land with it and I also think that the the sort of UGC elements they're introducing I know everyone's always talking about UGC but I do think if you're um you know, in the context of weapon designs or map designs or even like game modes and stuff, it's like really interesting to hand those things over to the community and see what comes. And when you do have like strong, like, you know, community governance aspects and the ability for people to meaningfully vote. And, you know, over time we start talking about royalties through these different uh, creator pieces. Like if they can nail the core game mechanics, if they can establish themselves as like a go-to shooter platform, it's like, you know, um, because of the warm embrace of the, yeah, like the community building aspects um, in terms of UGC and whatnot, like I do think it could could be really really exciting over time. So yeah, you could you could see where that one goes. Um, my equivalent actually, then uh, I was gonna do Midnight Society and Dead Drop, but here we go, the ah. other shooter which is in the ring. Um, I, again, like I think this one. Um, Part of my excitement about it is like uh, definitely, well, first of all, I think the game's really, really fun to play. Um, I've been loving messing around with uh, all the early builds on that. And, you know, the sniping feels great in particular. Um, I like the idea of like, you know, sort of vertical battle royale. Um, I think it's an interesting game direction. I like the map design, even though I think it's almost way too big at the moment, but we'll, we'll see where we get to as the servers kind of fill out more. Um, but, you know, Predominantly, I love Dr. Disrespect. I think he's an awesome brand. I think um, he really understands, like, uh, you know, the future of 
where IP and brands can go, right? Dr. Disrespect has built this persona that, um, you know, really will outlive him. Um, it's not about the guy behind it. It's about the bombastic dude with the shades and his mustache and his vest, right? And I think that's really smart when we start thinking about, you know, um, how things are going to evolve in the future and how you can perpetuate IP across many different digital environments. Like we kind of touched on leverage of the internet earlier on. I think it's a really smart way that he's built his brand. Um, I think, you know, I'm bullish Dr. Disrespect um, and excited to see where he goes and like, you know, steering his audience towards this stuff. Like for an individual creator to like take a big stand on something like this publicly early on is like, I think, commendable. Um, it's not easy to do. Like you have reply guys, you know, nonstop down his throat even now. Um, and so, yeah, let's see where it goes, but it's been cool to see even at GDC out at that event, you know, getting a bunch of, um, you know, streamers involved and actual players, like getting this thing going and like starting to introduce people to this space more. So, um, yeah, there we go. Two shooters, slightly different approaches, but excited to see, uh, both of them come to fruition. Uh, so, uh, it was dead drop. That was the name of the, the game. Yeah. Midnight Society is the studio and Dead Drop is the game. Right. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen much about that that game yet. Obviously know of Midnight Society, but glad to hear that you're you're super bullish on them. Um my number two is Alluvium. Um Alluvium is an interconnected universe of games, three to start, maybe more later. Um this includes an open world exploration game, an industrial city builder, and an auto battler. And I think it operate. It, it does operate on Immutable X, which of course is built on Ethereum. Um, uh, there's a big, seemingly talented team behind this project. And what they're building genuinely looks pretty high quality. But what stands out a lot to me uh, here is that at Novik, we've generally been pretty critical on specific token and economy design implementations. Um, you know, a lot of Web three games have had some flaws, and especially the more like blockchain components and the more token components you throw in, the harder it is to get all of those pieces to work together because it ratchets up the complexity. Um, but when we looked at Alluvium, we thought, you know what, this one could actually, this one could actually work um, and and stick the landing and it's it's token and economy designs. And um, that's saying something because this game is heavily tokenized even with land and is driven by a DAO and does push some boundaries on how interoperability works within its games. So it's very novel in a lot of ways and does a lot of different things, but it appears to be super thoughtful um, across all of it. And obviously there still is a lot here that needs to be proven out. Making three plus games is hard and you know being live and maintaining all of that and still getting it to work together across all of that is going to be a, uh, a big task to, to do well, but from what we've seen so far, um, we like it. And I'm looking forward just as a gamer to checking out the different pieces and seeing how they all intersect, overlap, and 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 all of that when it gradually goes live in, in the months ahead. So that is my number two. <clears throat> Piers, yeah, I, any thoughts I, on that? Or feel free to jump into your number one. 100%. I think Alluvium um, has just been the most amazing example I've seen of like guys that didn't come from a video game development background, but just love gaming, building something, you know, which really has momentum. And I think, you know, it is very ambitious. I think the scope um, almost worries me, uh, but it's awesome yeah. to see it all coming together. I think, you know, the playable stuff that's out already has been amazing. I think, um, you know, they're really demonstrating what can be done in terms of like funding options of leaning into crypto. I think their land sale that they did last year raised $72 million in like 24 hours or whatever it was, 72 hours maybe. Um, 
like it's uh it's been really amazing to see so yeah i'm excited to see where that goes um i think they're an awesome team that you know just uh don't stop shipping on this stuff i mean obviously it's tricky to stick to timelines etc um like game development broadly and i think you know when you sort of adding more ideas like as you go as well and like really sort of um scopes expanding as well like it's been it's been tricky to sort of manage from that perspective but it's all coming together and i totally agree very excited on that one um my next one I'd touch on, which is like, uh, I mean, can't really share that much on, um, largely because I don't have full details on it because it's still a you know, work in progress. But um, the CCP Games guys announced that they're doing a you know, blockchain-focused game. Um, you know, for, for those that don't know, uh, the creators of EVE Online, right, which is like one of the long- longest-running sort of virtual economies ever. Um, and I just, you know, having been lucky enough to spend time with that team and uh and you know digest a bunch of the materials they put out over the years as well i just in terms of like the philosophy of games and really from first principles understanding you know how to calibrate these economies how to make one of these games that actually can you know persist across multiple decades that you know really was the site of um some of the most crazy and exciting like early online multiplayer stuff i strongly encourage everyone to read empires of eve it's a history of the great wars of eve online from 2003 to 2008 and there's a second part as well the thing reads like an actual science fiction book or some kind of like geopolitical strategy book it's insane how yeah it's it's like the just the full spectrum of like human emotion like on display that manifested between i don't know it wasn't it was maybe like 10 to twenty thousand players across like five six years in you know the mid noughties when you know while i was still growing up and like um knowing that these guys built that having spent time with them and understanding the insights that are gleaned from being one of the first people to chart the uncharted, so to speak. Um, I just think they are formidably well-equipped to actually properly design open economies because, you know, they've been able to do one that has endured for so long. And um, yeah, I think, I think they're legends. I'm, I'm planning to head out to uh, Iceland this September for the 20 year, um, 20 year anniversary of the servers going online, which is pretty crazy. So uh, that would be my number two. Um, but as I say, there's not a ton of like details on it out yet, but uh, it's, it's, it's in the works. It's been announced at least. This is your number two. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was my number one, and I don't, I don't know how you couldn't put this name, put this game. Well, I number said the one. ranking, the rankings are arbitrary, as I said already. Uh-huh. I already made my yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> <Go for it. laughs> but uh, no, this was this one was definitely my number one, even though I know basically nothing about it so far. Um, just because it's from the the Eve Online team, and Eve Online is like the would have been like the perfect playground for so much of these blockchain Web three capabilities that we talk about um today and so yeah definitely super excited to to see what they come up with here there isn't too much to discuss about this um right now but totally echo your thoughts that the empires of eve book uh, i haven't read the second one yet um but <laughs> it's really good it reads like real history which is crazy um but is is so interesting and i kind of wish that i was older so that I could be in the middle of that back <laughs> back in those like the early days especially um so I definitely whatever this next one is I kind of want to be in the next version of of the wars or so I definitely had my um peers I don't I don't know if you ever played tribal wars that Never. browser game back in the day no no I no? didn't okay um it, it basically is it was like a 
a, a big grid where your like little town is like one part of this massive grid and there are all these other players that have all these other towns and you team up as tribes to basically like go at war with everyone else and take over the map basically and there was like one summer when i was in middle school where i like i had my tribe of like a hundred people like i i maxed it out and we were i was like the general going to war no one knew i was you know like 13 years old or whatever and it was like the best time i ever had in my life and i have a feeling that's probably what a lot of the eve online players were doing and it really is like an unmatched experience once you're into it and part of these like massive massive teams coordinating together. And so being able to recreate something like that um, with more modern tech and provide like true ownership and like even truer stakes um, for people who are, who are going to war, that's really exciting. Um, this game, I think, I mean, it, CCP raised money specifically for the game, not for like the company as a whole. And so I'm curious to see what that turns into. I, I'm guessing it probably gets tokenized in some way as part of a broader community i'm not sure um but but yeah that was my that was my number one super excited about it um i'm trying to think pierce have you said your number one or have you been through all five i didn't think so i didn't think so no um i kind of want to touch on a bonus one afterwards as well because it's not strictly a game but i'm also cheating a bit here but i really would like you know for those that haven't come across this yet just to spend some time exploring it. It's it's less a game. It's more so a thesis, an idea that multiple people are working towards. Um, and, you know, it's been touched on a lot Like if you're in this space, but this whole notion of like fully on-chain, maximally on-chain games and autonomous worlds, right? The idea that you can build um, a game environment, a game world where all aspects of, you know, it's logic um, and state are sort of stored on-chain. Um, I think this idea of, yeah, being able to release uh, this virtual world that can outlive its creators and can actually persist across, you know, multiple decades, obviously being fully on chain, it leans like fully into the ethos of crypto, the composability, the forkability, like all of the things that are so exciting about crypto in terms of its like open source nature with, you know, finance rails and financial aspects baked in, um, really come alive when you start entertaining this thesis. So um, I'd strongly recommend people check out um, like Lattice and uh, Topology, like to name a couple. But yeah, Lattice, sort of OX Park, like a bunch of um, stuff that, you know, Justin Glebe has been working on. Some of the guys that built Dark Forest to begin with, like it's super exciting. And don't get me wrong, I think like the addressable market for these things is like still unclear because they skew towards highly technical in nature because you need to do all sorts of cryptography and coding if you want to be competitive at these early ones. Um, and obviously there's a ton of technical execution risk, right? The state of art, it's the state of the art of, of where these systems are at is a long way away from where it needs to be. But um, I just... It's just the most exciting vision, I think, for how like virtual worlds, game worlds can evolve is, is if we can get towards that ideal in the fullness of time. So wanted to shout that out. And then, yeah, I said uh, another one that a bonus one. It's not a game, but it's um, a platform that I'm super excited about. I think a lot of people feel kind of alienated when they're even trying to engage with the crypto game space, especially if you know they're not in the weeds and willing to put up with all the crap that comes with it. Um, but yeah, there's a, a project called Hyperplay, um, which is basically um, one of the sort of 
like MetaMask co-founders who built, you know, a ton of amazing stuff over there has decided that he wants to focus the next chapter on on this. And um, yeah, it's basically trying to build that fully trusted storefront, right? Where you have ring fencing of private keys for game sessions. You can have like sort of social overlay, like all the stuff you'd expect from a more integrated games ecosystem. And uh, yeah, it incorporates sort of um, the Epic Games Store and GOG on the back end. It's a really exciting project. And I just feel like, you know, it's sitting here in my dock next to Steam. It's like the first time I've felt like there's a really strong, you know, uh, consumer game product that's going to do a good job of curating this uh, mad space. So wanted to touch on that as well. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and, and wrap this section up. Um, but hopefully that provides a really interesting watch list for people. We mentioned um, in our top fives, Ember Sword, Avalon, Aurori, Cambria, Shrapnel, Dead Drop, Alluvium, uh, whatever CCP games is working on, um, Lattice, and then bonus uh, pick for the Hyperplay platform. So I think, yeah, I'm excited for all of those and to check them all out. <laughs> um, so I think it's uh, the next era of where all this is going is going to be pretty exciting. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you today about, Piers, before we, we play um, a game and some of the, the closing minutes is uh, Founders. You obviously, as an investor, spend a lot of time with founders, and founders are naturally the most critical piece of investing in early stage startups. And you know, many people know about standard known traits of what makes for great founders, but also the world is changing, technology is changing, and the way people organize themselves is changing. And your investing work is often focused on the intersection of all of that change. So my question for you is, are there any new traits or patterns you're seeing in today's best founders that maybe separate them from times past? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think it's, you kind of touched on it in saying that, uh, you know, things are changing, the, the the scope and rate of change, right, is so insane. I think um, one of the things that, that we say we're sort of like, you know, actively seeking is um, just high integrity people that are really building for the end game. It's like um, when you sit, draw the curtains and spend your time getting in the weeds and thinking through, you know, thesis formation, like where do I really see this like 5, 10, 15 years from now? It's like um, whatever those things I don't care what you're investing in, but you know, it's just particularly true in sort of crypto and, and uh, the future of games and whatnot. It's like making sure that those people are kind of, um, you know, philosophically aligned with that, um, I think is just like the most important thing, um, you know, that I've, I've really been thinking through. And uh, um, I think it is different in um, like crypto in particular, because there is so much... Um, not tribalism, but divergence of opinion on how this should evolve, right? Everything from like the governance aspects to an actual technological decisions, like everyone has really different views. Um, and so it can be super hard to like, yeah, um, find find those people that, you know, across time. I mean, I know that things obviously evolve differently and change and it's like hard to really predict the exact order of events and whatnot. But I'd say, yeah, um, finding those high integrity people that are building for the end game sort of as, as you see it. Um, I think shout out to uh, Jose, you know, our head of labs actually on, on the Delphi Labs side. I think they've done an incredible job. I mean, maybe we'll touch on it later, but uh, just of scoping out how they see things unfolding, the key areas where it's like deficient in projects or infrastructure, actually putting out, you know, um, ideas that they think need to be built and like uh, almost like having people gravitate towards those as well has been really cool to see. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's a big one. 
Awesome. And before we we hopped on, I asked you to come up with a list of three or so um, examples of modern day founders that you are seeing absolutely crush it right now in different ways. Um, these aren't necessarily your your just your like three favorite founders. I know you have a bunch of favorite founders uh, <laughs> that you work with, but um, I was just curious. Like, could you share like who some of these people are? What makes them special in today's changing environment, and maybe what we can learn from them? Totally, yeah. I think, um, I mean, one one that I always love to mention is uh, Robbie from Immutable. I know you guys have spent a bunch of time with with Immutable, but um, he's just surprised me on so many occasions with his truly unapologetic and relentless hustle. Like he, uh, you know, has, has has moved mountains since I've known him. So it's been awesome to see. Um, another one, you know, when you when you asked the question that stood out is uh, someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for a few years now, but we've actually, um, you know, recently invo- invested in what they're working on, which is uh, Ed Sarchi from Geppetto AI. They're working on sort of 3D generative stuff. And um, he's just got this amazing ability to really hone in on like what, is sensible to like innovate on and be creative around um, and understand that in a space that's obviously as dynamic as spending any time anywhere near AI, um, figuring out what you should like leave to others, like the open source community to build and like trying to laser in on which the key components are to really like um, pull together. Um, and then beyond that, just, you know, tying together a very multidisciplinary disciplinary team that you probably wouldn't expect all to come together, but is like this really awesome concoction for what they're trying to achieve. Um, so yeah, he's another one that stands out for sure. Um, I then th- I think um, Will uh, Wayne Raub, who runs um, Crypto, or Cryptoys it's called, um, He's someone who I honestly don't spend as much time as I, as I should with. You know, we caught up recently and it was it was awesome. But uh, just from when we first connected and he first told me about this idea he had, it was just this like... Um, insane clarity of vision it's like uh you know not necessarily the most like complex idea in the world it's just like very um well defined and his ability to kind of yeah as i say that clarity early on and the fact that that vision still remains intact although obviously there's slight deviations along the way has been amazing to see on the execution side um I don't know whether it counts in terms of founder, but we, we touched on CCP already, but uh, Hilmar, right? I mean, obviously the original founding of CCP was 25 years ago or whatever now. Um, Hilmar is just one of the most amazing brains around games I've ever had the privilege of, uh, of connecting with. He's just some kind of like video game philosopher Viking to my mind from Iceland. He's, uh, he's, yeah. he's pretty special um, in terms of, yeah, just the, you know, again, like lucidity, all of those sort of insights that have been gleaned from uh, making some incredibly difficult decisions across that 20 years of running, you know, the same economy, the same game, the same instance, like the amount of like, um, high pressure, like high implication decisions that they've had to make in terms of like, you know, rolling back servers or not, or like doing things which many times completely piss the community off. Like, I think um, it takes a certain type of character to be able to do that. Obviously, there's more people that were consulted in those decisions, but I think he's distilled all the insights from that in such an amazing way. And then, yeah, I mean, the desire to sort of embrace new tools and, and sort of innovate, right? Like, um, these guys are looking at the space in, in the way they have been and really like soaking up everything they can. Like um, something tells me whatever they produce is going to be a winning formula already, right? They, they've really uh, gone gone super deep. So yeah, those are a few. And then <clears throat> one other I'd like to shout out quickly before we move on um, is uh, Brooks Brown from uh, Noor, who's sort of pioneered this whole PlayFi thesis, which we've, we've touched on before. I think 
conceptually in terms of thinking from first principles about how this technology can be used around games. It's you know one of the most exciting sort of visions that that we've come across for sure. And uh, I mean. You know, a long way to go in terms of actually seeing it um, come come to life. But I think, uh, as I say, conceptually, like enormously exciting and uh, very very eager to see what comes. What's the the ten second pitch for PlayFi for those who don't know? So effectively, it's looking at. Um, uh, it's hard to do in ten seconds, but uh, it, it's you can all take about, more seconds. <laughs> it's, it's 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 all about kind of um, the the sanctity of these core game loops, right? And how money and any monetary um, aspect should never ever touch these core game loops, right? All of that should basically happen on the periphery. Um, it draws on a lot of inspiration from the sports model, right? So in soccer, you don't have people who can you know, pay for power-ups to run quicker on the pitch or whatever. All of the way that that entire industry is monetized is around the periphery through you know, gambling, merchandise, broadcasting, et cetera. Um, and so they're basically building the infrastructure to facilitate monetization like that in video games. Um, their higher-end sort of ranked game modes are focused on this idea that risk-free game like gameplay has like ruined gaming right these infinite respawns it's like lost all meaning as a result and so in many respects you can kind of frame it as this web three blood sports right so people who are the highest competitors who enter these tournaments if you die you're out you're like wipe for the whole season wipe for the whole tournament it's this idea of introducing real stakes and making you know gameplay meaningful through that again and i think that's a super powerful idea and i think you know um all of the things like provenance that are afforded by crypto become super interesting in this like new arena of esports where you know you might own the tombstone the tombstone NFT from the first ever PlayFi tournament in you know the year 2024 and it like perpetuates it, or rather it survives um across time so i think there's so much exciting stuff in there uh, it's well worth digging into for people looking for uh, some interesting ideas to sink their teeth into Cool. Well, thanks for for sharing that, and also thanks for sharing your your thoughts on on those founders. One of my favorite parts about hanging out with you and talking to you, peers, is that you hang out with all of these people, and you're able to <laughs> to kind of like gleam and distill a lot of the just like the really interesting and cool insights from the people who are like on the most bleeding edge, uh, and so like what's new and interesting, what we have to look forward to. So. I hope other other people found found that interesting, and I'm sure your answer is probably going to change ever so often too, as as the world continues to change. So we'll have to check back in um, in, in the future. But for now, let's go ahead and move on to a game called Buy, Sell, or Hold. Nothing here is investing advice, just to be clear. But I'm going to toss out a bunch of random ideas or concepts or ecosystems or, or what have you. Um, and I want you to give me your level of bullishness or bearishness on that idea. Is what I am saying a buy, a sell, or a hold? And then feel free to you know provide a little bit uh, of why. This will be a bit more lightning round, uh, so we probably won't dwell too much on any one of these, although we can, we can poke in on anything interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And you also have no idea what I'm going to throw at you. So this is going to be, this is going to be fun. So uh, to start, you know, we'll start with an easy one. Buy, sell, or hold God of War Ragnarok DLC. Buy, for sure. Why? 
Why? Um, okay, sorry. I, I thought you, you said we're not going to dwell on them. Um, oh, I absolutely, a little bit. A little bit. I, well, I absolutely love those games. I think, um, you know, uh, Corey Balrog is like um, such an amazing director. I think that first 2018 God of War gripped me uh, in a way very few games have. Um, the Last of Us and God of War are S tier in my mind. I think they're the best two, you know, narrative games ever created um, that really took me on a journey as like gaming as a cinematic medium. I will say I thought Ragnarok was somewhat it felt very samey. It felt like more of the same from the 2018 one, but I loved it so damn much, the original one, that I loved pouring loads of hours into that. I actually yep. dropped it after about 15 hours and then picked it up and finished it again, but excited to see what comes from there. I, again, I just think like unparalleled in terms of visual storytelling and uh, I really, yeah, was invested in those characters. But you think the, the DLC is going to happen? I know it didn't happen for the first game. I, I, I think it will. I think it will. Okay. I'm uh, holding out for it anyway. Okay, cool. So that's a buy. Buy, sell, or hold the Solana games ecosystem. Um, buy. I'd say I don't, <laughs> my current portfolio definitely doesn't reflect that, but I think there's been so much exciting stuff happening there. I think the bustling NFT ecosystem has been really cool to see. And whilst I think I would probably describe the Saga phone as a sort of relative flop. Um, it's been pretty poorly reviewed. I think directionally it's super interesting, right? Actually engineering your own like hardware ecosystem and uh, all the interesting distribution aspects that come with that. So maybe bullish Solana mobile stuff if they can get that off the ground, but it's a tool order. Um, so I'll say buy slash hold. Okay. Buy, seller hold the Epic Game Store becoming the main distribution hub for Web3 PC games. I'm going to say hold. Um, I'm not sure exactly the difference between hold and buy here, but uh, I'm going to say hold. I think um, obviously they're out of all like big companies I know, like their uh, you know perceived willingness to really lean into like open ecosystems and um, all the amazing stuff that comes with that. Like I really think that they are you know very much on it. But it's just so much of what can be really exciting about these games is like a big gap up from enabling third-party blockchain games to push stuff through your store to like actually leaning into, you know, like on-chain reputation systems, like the ability to actually tap into these this amazing um, sort of social graph of users, if you like, to do targeted airdrops as a marketing technique, all of this kind of shit. Like, I don't see them doing that anytime soon. And when I say anytime soon, I mean for the next five plus years, let's say. Um, and therein lies an opportunity. So let's see. Um, I'm going to say right. hold on that one. Let's see. Okay, cool. And just to clarify, by hold, like if the idea were a stock or a token, you'd be putting your money in it because you're bullish. You think it's going to happen. And a hold is probably like you're unsure. Maybe you have some tendency to lean one way or another, but you know, you're know you waiting for in. more information. You got questions. Um, cool. So I think yeah. that's, that's a fair answer hold. for that one. Uh, buy, sell, or hold, Fortnite. Buy. <laughs> I just, I just think, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that ecosystem, the Epic Games flywheel, that account system, like that's not going anywhere. I think UEFN rolling out recently has been absolutely nuts to see. I think looking at stuff like Project 5, you know, some of the biggest streamers in the world coming together to leverage UEFN to build their own game, to invite community feedback, all the things that we harp on about in crypto, they're actually, you know, replicating a lot of that in that space. Um, I think, yeah, just the advantage, the permanent advantage it's going to have in terms of being at the very forefront of the entire Unreal ecosystem is nuts. I think the IP universe they've concocted, concocted is completely next level and isn't stopping anytime soon. Again, as more TV shows and movies start integrating this stuff. And lastly, 
I've got giant bags in terms of skins and V bucks. I've still got like sixty k V bucks in there, man. It better, it better, it better uh, oh continue its advance. Um, but no, I think they recently released in the Unreal uh, Developer Conference that they still had like seventy million monthly actives or whatever it was. So um, I, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I think they're very innovative, and I think um, yeah, like just seeing obviously UEFN is one thing, but also seeing how the games evolved into you know zero build mode being more dominant. Um, loads of these interesting creative game modes. It's like uh, it's just like you can get lost in that game still. The mechanics are dope. Everything looks beautiful. Yeah, bye. Sweet. Buy, seller, hold. Major Western publishers announcing real Web three games in the next twelve months. How do we qualify major? Um, I I'm gonna say um, I I'd, I'd probably say sell or or hold hold sell border. I don't think it's happening in any meaningful way anytime soon. Okay. Buy, seller, hold. AI having a larger impact on the games industry than blockchains. Um, oof. It's going to be way harder to quantify. It's also going to happen concurrently. It's really hard to say. I'd say hold on that one. Um, I think it's doing amazing shit. I think it's giving small teams insane leverage. I think... Um, it's hard to isolate so much of what's going to be exciting about AI to just AI, as in creator tooling broadly is just completely collapsing. Like the ability for a single developer to build something that's utterly mind blowing, it's not just AI driving that. So I'm going to say hold because I'm unsure. Sounds good. And as a as a quick aside here, just because I'm curious, I know you mentioned um, investing in. I think it was Geppetto, the 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 company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like Delphi, you're spending some time on. Um, on AI stuff too, even beyond just some of the the Web three roots. Want to comment on that change of focus at all quickly? Well, absolutely. I think um, I think well, <clears throat> projects like that you could deem to be very adjacent, right? Like there's going to be some sort of overlap in sure. in the way um, that we traditionally invest in things, but. Yeah, I mean, this is undoubtedly like uh, one of the most exciting forces to be unleashed, um, you know, ever. And it's like. Uh, you know, a, a big part of my time over the past few months, maybe longer, has been spent, yeah, trying to get smart on that space, understand how this shit works, understand, you know, um, who's doing interesting shit. I still think understanding, like, how and where value capture happens is, like, who knows? It's really difficult. But I think um, amazing teams that have a super clear vision, not about trying to pioneer nuts technology, but, like, figure out what's actually fun, what's actually, be- like, what's beautiful. How can we make experiences that are, like, engaging and moving like leveraging these new tools like that's a much clearer uh thing to be able to take a swing at than you know investing in key sort of ai infrastructure um i'd say like if i were investing in key ai infrastructure i'd be deferring to people who are much more in the weeds have the network who are much smarter but um i fundamentally believe that there's a really exciting intersection between crypto and ai to be had you know, very surface level basic things like, you know, cryptographic authentication of media as deep fakes become more rampant and they start to, you know, I, what was it? Someone released a video, an AI made video of the Pentagon getting blown up the other day and some stock swung a bunch. And then uh, turns out that some people traded that news and then someone had actually spoofed the whole thing to begin with. It's like the whole thing's a mess. There's stuff there. There's stuff to do with um, 
you know, obviously like trying to coordinate uh, distributed compute networks in terms of, yeah, GPUs and whatnot. Like there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. Um, there's like uh, zero knowledge machine learning stuff. Like how can you actually teach models without revealing information? Like I think there's a massive intersection there. So that's something we're trying to get smart on. And, um, you know, we'll definitely be deferring to much smarter people on more core stuff. But uh, fascinating time to be alive every day as a privilege. Absolutely. Let's get back to, to buy, sell, or hold. Buy, sell, or hold. <laughs> A fully on-chain game breaking out and let's call it like at least a semi-mainstream way before 2025. Ah, um, hold. I, I want to say bye, but it's like, as I say, just like a state of the art in terms of UX. There's a long way to go. And I think this is where the, uh, the real wizards are, you know, spending time like innovating on the infrastructure. Lattice, who I mentioned, just put out, you know, this framework for actually building on-chain applications, which um, solves a lot of the technical hurdles. So I think this is very much like build a territory for the next few years. Uh, so I'm going to say holds, hold, yeah, hold. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, buy, seller, hold, land in the metaverse. I mean, I've never really been that excited um, about just vanilla land stuff. I think there's lots of cool shit that could be done. I think there are cool like token models you can build. I think the idea of you know doing stuff like dynamic land models. Um, there's one project called uh, Nifty Island, which actually should be uh, launching later this year, or at least some playable stuff. Um, and basically, they allow you to collateralize your plot of land to determine how large it appears on a map. I think models like that kind of make sense, and there's uh, like tons of things to experiment with. Um, but just like vanilla land as a concept, this like, you know, virtual real estate gold rush that we saw, I, I've never really thought it was that uh, interesting. So I'm going to say sell. Okay. Uh, would tend to agree. Buy, sell, or hold the MetaQuest 3 and Apple's XR headset, which is being announced today as we're recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being I'm the turning point. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go on. Sorry, uh, buy, sell, or hold, like these devices being the turning point for XR adoption. I mean, obviously, Apple has a history of coming sort of like relatively late to the game, but absolutely nailing it. I just don't think a $3,000, um, you know, entry price, which is what it's been reported to be, is like going to be that feasible for like more mainstream consumption. I think obviously the very tightly linked kind of uh, software hardware pipeline that Apple has is going to unlock some truly insane shit. And I think for many people, it's going to be a, like that next wave of like, you know, aha, sort of like holy shit moment with this stuff. Um, but and also, by the way, just AR kit, which they've been rolling out, you know, using the LiDAR sensors and stuff and phones, like they're building like this insane ecosystem that I think is going to unlock some really powerful experiences. But I don't know whether this is the inflection point all the way back to the Oculus Kickstarter. I've been like, this is it. And it never is. Um, the MetaQuest 3 specs look nuts. Very impressed. I didn't even realize that it was like uh, 2020 that the Quest 2 released. So that's actually a long time yeah. when they're churning through how many billion dollars a year on R&D. Um, I salute our comrades at um, Meta uh, for putting all that money into the space. Um, I, I, I think they're probably like, I don't know, let's say like 50 to 100 million handsets, uh, headsets rather they might be able to sell, but I don't think that really qualifies as like inflection point yet. I still think um, content has to catch up even to where we are right now. And uh, it still feels like too many people are kind of, um, you know, you use the thing for a month and love it. Oh my God, it's amazing. Get all your friends to buy it and then no one logs into it again. I still feel like we're there probably for another couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, so sell, yeah. 
Okay. But since you agree, still excited to see what all this is going to be and still going to put money into <laughs> into things to play around for sure. So I'm, I'm buying the products, but I, I think Me I too. agree with you on the sell point more broadly. Um, totally. Buy, sell, or hold the latest lingo free to own. I don't know. I, I, I try not to like overly index on the exact nomenclature that people keep inventing <laughs> and churning through. Um, I think... Uh, Directionally, it like made a lot of sense in terms of like a marketing tactic, like growth hacking thing. I think fundamentally, the idea of distributing NFTs for free to users as like a hook, like an engagement way, is like a very sensible and interesting onboarding mechanic. That I'd say buy on. I think um, everything graduating towards like us referring to free to own, like we do, you know, free to play or whatever. Like absolutely not. Um, uh, and. I'm really excited to see what Limit Break, obviously, as kind of the pioneers uh, are doing in this space. But um, honestly, felt a little underwhelmed after the um, whole sort of Super Bowl advert and whatnot. Like, uh, I'm excited to see what comes out of this year in terms of like token standard innovation and stuff they've been working on. They're building a lot of cool infrastructural pieces, which I'm liking the look of. So let's see. So in summary, um, buy the idea of free distribution of NFTs as like an onboarding mechanic um, and then sell the name catching on and hold limit break. <laughs> there you go. That was a very, very well-rounded answer. And maybe something that's nice that I've been thinking about too is it's been a while since we've had one of these new terms pop up. Free, yeah. to, free to own actually popped up quite a while ago. And I feel like if this were a year or two ago, we'd already be like three terms later <laughs> yeah, beyond yeah. it. So I don't know what that says about the space or anything, but I think it's time for something. Someone needs to come up with something new. Um, yeah, we'll have to put our heads together. Uh, yes, let's do it. Um, I'll, one last one for you before we, we start to wrap up. Um, buy, sell, or hold any of the top 10 games by NFT transaction volumes staying on that list in three years. And so quickly, the list from a couple of weeks ago, it was Other Deed, Block Lords, So Rare, HVMTL, Gods Unchained, Coda, Pixelmon, Axie Infinity, and The Sandbox. In three years. Yes. Well, um, any of those stay on that top 10 list? I'd, I'd be on the border of buy, but probably, yeah, I'd probably say buy. Yeah, I think, I think there's at least one in there that has a good chance of it, but I won't say which. You won't say which? Oh, that was going to be my follow-up. That's okay. Fine, I, um, I will, I will. I think, I think it would be so rare. I think so rare is just like um, anchored themselves on a very sensible model. It's like, you know, not um, shooting for the moon, doing anything crazy that's going to alienate people. I think um, they're obviously anchored around sports and particular soccer is their first sort of one that they're focused on, which is like, for some reason, billions of people are obsessed with this thing and watch it all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I, I think they've got a really good chance of, of yeah, like, uh, uh, sticking around to be honest okay well actually one more uh, since we're on it then we'll then we'll move on buy seller hold the board ape yacht club gaming ecosystem and i'm asking this because i've i've heard a bunch of different takes on it curious what yours is honestly it's not something i've ever been particularly enamored with um i uh I think the coolest thing for me to see was just, you know, the actual like um, dollar value of the prize pools in that very basic game that they put together. But even that got hacked and people were exploiting it and whatnot. Um, I think like the demo that they did with the improbable stuff, like was cool to see loads of avatars running around, but I'm not 
entirely sure what the actual core game loop's going to be that actually drives retention over time. Um, obviously, they're very well funded um, and have you know a lot of smart people in the arena now. So um, I'd love to see something really cool come out of it. But I'd say, yeah, my gut feel on it still is that it's like you know a bit kind of overhyped, maybe. Okay. Uh- Sounds good. Well, thanks for for rolling with that game with me. It's fun to get your your quick takes on a bunch of stuff across the the full tech gaming Web3 ecosystem there. Um, Before we wrap up, I do want to spend a couple minutes um, talking about Delphi um, and specifically just like what's going what's going on at Delphi that's new and interesting, especially in this the world of games and kind of the intersection with Web3. Um, anything exciting the the team is cooking up over there? Yeah, so on the gaming front, um, I mean, we touched on it earlier, but uh, I mean, have a bunch of the kind of companies that we backed, you know, starting to approach soft launches and more playable stuff. So actually got everyone together uh, for a sort of internal portfolio session the other day and walked through, you know, I think it was seven different topics of core pillars that are um, everyone's kind of having to confront, right? Everything from token listings and like regulatory advice to um, balancing these economies to uh, the infrastructure and scalability solutions and so on. So I think that was really exciting to see you know, what a insanely talented group of people there is and, and, and what a privilege it is really to be, you know, uh, trying to figure out what happens next with all of them. Um, so that was super exciting. I think um, part of what we're going to do around more of these sort of soft launches happening as well is uh, actually try and spin up a few more streams on like Twitch. I think um, this content format of like, you know, playing through things with a founder and talking through design decisions is is super cool. So I'm excited to uh, start toying with that. Um and then, yeah, obviously keeping up our coverage in terms of deep dives and whatnot uh, broadly. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on on Delphi gaming side. Um, and then, yeah, broad, broadly at Delphi, um, research business has a ton of cool shit being dropped all the time in terms of uh, in the portal, these kind of, you know, no code, low code um, chart builders, uh, you know, interesting ways to incorporate real time charts into like reports. So you can see how a thesis has played out since it was actually written. Um, a bunch of interesting community sort of, uh, driven stuff that's going to be introduced as well. So excited to see shit dropping all the time there. Um, and then on the labs front, um, I think it's actually today, the, uh, cohort of people who are moving, uh, from the hackathon into the accelerator, um, is, is sort of being announced. Uh, I touched on it earlier on, but yeah, effectively put out, um, you know, these kind of RFPs, if you like, but requests for projects instead of proposals. Um, and yeah, all these key sort of primitives and pieces of infrastructure that the labs team thinks is, is kind of missing from the space. And so I think that's a really cool way of, again, like attracting builders to ideas and like actually helping with the ideation process. Cause there's a lot of amazingly talented people out there, but, um, you know, figuring out where to even start and, knowing who's building what is really tricky. So excited to see what comes from that. <clears throat> I think that's running for a few weeks before the final finalists are announced. Um, and then, yeah, on, on you know the venture side, we're uh, sort of deploying as ever. Um, super excited to have so many sort of giga brains around the table, making sure we don't uh, stray too far from the path of righteousness. Um, and so, yeah, continue to be um, excited about everything we're doing there, you know, across gaming and, and beyond. Um, and yeah, it's just a privilege to have lots of smart people in the ring. Um, most people with, you know, proper skin in the game. So I think that's a pretty important piece of building, um, the kind of relationships that we want to with founders, right. Is sort of investing your own capital is, uh, different lens through which to kind of explore all of this through. And I, uh, yeah, really, enjoy- really enjoying it. 
Awesome. Well, as I've told you, Piers, I've always been impressed and inspired by what the the Delphi team has built across all of the dimensions you all operate in. So definitely rooting you all on from the sidelines and excited to see where all of this is going to go next for you all. Um, to, to wrap up, just final question, Piers, if anyone wants to to reach out, where can they find you? On Twitter, Piers Kicks. Um, I'm uh, still probably most active on on Twitter, yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, awesome, Piers. This was a ton of fun uh, to roll through all of this today and hopefully a bit of a, a lighter tone on some of the, the Web3 topics in particular for, for our audience. And hopefully uh, you all listening had a lot of fun as well. So, Piers, it's always a pleasure to chat and learn from you. Thanks for coming on. Likewise, man. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at novic.co or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novic has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novic.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novic Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novic.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.